everyone, and welcome to Last Chair, the Ski Utah podcast. I'm your host, Tom Kelly. A big thanks to Utah's own Pixie and the Party Grass Boys for kicking things off once again here on Last Chair. Let's send a shout out to our sponsor, High West, Utah's first legal distillery since 1870. High West is passionate about crafting delicious and distinctive whiskeys and helping people appreciate whiskey, all in the context of our home right here in the American West. Next time you're in Utah, visit one of High West's locations in Park City and nearby Wanship. And welcome back to our episode sponsor, first of all, old friend Steel. Check out the new Figment Free Ride collection at steel.com or visit Steel Mountain Studio on Park City's historic Main Street. And welcome to a new sponsor, Hyatt Place in Provo. Located in the heart of downtown Provo, the Hyatt Place is walking distance to some great restaurants and a nice launching pad for Sundance. Check it out at Hyatt.com. By now you've probably heard the news that Utah is destined for a return of the Olympic and Paralympic Winter Games, now looking to come back in 2034. The 2002 Winter Games were magical. It united a country just months after 9-11 and welcomed athletes from every corner of the world to compete on the greatest snow on earth. We wanted to learn more, so we went right to the top. And this week, we're welcoming Utah Governor Spencer Cox, Salt Lake City Mayor Aaron Mendenhall, along with Salt Lake City, Utah Committee for the Games Board Chair Catherine Rainey Norman, a four-time Olympian herself. The governor and mayor are both big supporters of the ski industry in the state, and as the mayor points out, there are 11 Utah resorts within an hour's drive of the city center of Salt Lake. Since being named America's Choice five years ago, Salt Lake City, Utah's efforts have truly caught the eye of the International Olympic Committee. Originally bidding for either 2030 or 2034, this past November, the IOC named Salt Lake City, Utah, the preferred host for the 2034 Winter Games. Along the way, the game's concept has received strong approval, over 80% support across the state. We joined the governor and mayor at the stately Kearns Mansion in Salt Lake City, an historical building that serves as the official governor's mansion for Utah. Both Governor Cox and Mayor Mendenhall have been actively engaged in the bid, looking for ways to utilize the opportunity for the benefit of the state and to bring together communities under the banner of the Games. Officials are hopeful that the IOC will come to a final decision this July, likely formally naming France for 2030 and Salt Lake City, Utah for 2034. Our studio for this episode of Last Chair is a far cry from the depths of the snow pit in Little Cottonwood Canyon. So let's head to the Governor's Mansion to learn more about the 2034 Olympic and Paralympic Winter Games and when Utah is going to know if the IOC has made its final choice. Welcome everyone to Ski Utah's Last Chair podcast. You know, we've done this podcast over the last five years in some truly remarkable locations. I've done this podcast in a tram hanging above Snowbird. I've done it in a snowcat grooming at night at Deer Valley, in the cab of a UDOT snowplow in Big Cottonwood, in the bottom of a 12-foot deep snow pit in Little Cottonwood. Governor Spencer Cox, we're in the governor's mansion today. 
this is much different than what we've done in the past. Tell us about this great place. Well, those sound much more fun, uh, but we are here in, in the historic mansion. This is the Kearns Mansion. Uh, Thomas Kearns was a young man who came out here to seek his fortune. He he hit the the, the mother load, a silver mine in Park City, uh, came down with his his amazing wife that he married, a seamstress from uh, from Park City, and they, they, they first built the first orphanage in Utah, which is amazing, St. Anne's Orphanage, same architect, beautiful building. Then they helped build the cathedral of the Madeline. They were so generous. And then they built their home. I, I have to say there's another mansion just one block uh, west of here who that looks very similar. People often confuse them. He let his partner build his mansion first because he wanted this one to be a little bigger. But uh, just <laughs> just to, to wrap it up, this this house was built in, in 1902. And so it's, you know, we're, we're 120 plus years. And they were so generous that after Thomas Kearns, he served in the U.S. Senate. He was good friends with Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy Roosevelt Roosevelt came here, stayed here, donated. We have a hat rack that Teddy Roosevelt donated, which is amazing. It's made out of the the, the horns of his cattle. So it looks very much like something Teddy Roosevelt would would gift to a, a family. Um, but after his his untimely death, his his widow uh, donated this house to the uh, to the state for governors to live here in, in 1937. Governors lived here for about 20 years. Then they moved out because it got too much to take care of and, and we're a fiscally conservative state. And uh, But they moved back in and the 70s and it kind of restored it a little bit. Of course, we had a fire in 1993 when the Levitts were here, which helped with the restoration. We were able to restore it almost exactly like it was in, in 1902. It's a beautiful building. It's not our house. It's the people's house. And we love to we love to share it with people. Well, thank you, Governor. It really is an amazing place. We're here today to talk about the Olympics and our guests, of course, Utah Governor Spencer Cox. We're also joined by Salt Lake City Mayor Erin Mendenhall, uh, recently inaugurated for her second term, and also the chair of the board of the Salt Lake City Utah Committee for the Games, Catherine Rainey Norman, a four-time Olympian. And Catherine, just to update us on the Olympic situation, I know that everybody's on pins and needles about 2034. It's coming. It's getting closer. Where do we stand in the process right now of bringing the games back here to Utah. We're in the home stretch of bringing the games back. We were recently named the preferred host by the International Olympic Committee for the 2034 games. And so at this point in time, we are just finalizing up a few pieces and then we will present to the IOC in July and hopefully be awarded at that time. Yeah, it's been an amazing process. So fingers crossed right now. But if you were a betting woman, what the, what are the odds you'd give it right Bet now? Bet on the house. Bet on the house. Okay, we will. I, I want to have each of our guests to introduce themselves a little bit more. We have a global audience, and Governor Cox, maybe just a little bit of a 411 on yourself. Well, sure. sure. I've, I'm in my first term as governor. Just actually just signed up to run for re-election. It's hard to believe it's almost been four years, just finishing, just finished our, our third year. I grew up in a very small town in rural Utah, and I got a chance to to, to serve as a missionary in Mexico for a couple of years for my church. Came back, married my high school sweetheart. We graduated from Snow College, Utah State University, went to law school on in Virginia, back on the East Coast, came back to work for a big law firm and decided I, I'm a recovering attorney, didn't want to do that for the rest of my life. Moved back to the small town to run the telecommunications company that my great-grandfather started and, and to raise my kids on the farm and then got a chance to, to serve on the city council and as mayor, as county commissioner, then in the legislature. Then Governor Herbert asked me to be his lieutenant governor. And after that, I, I ran for governor and was successful three years ago. So it's been a wild ride from the farm to to the governor's mansion in Salt Lake City, but we feel very fortunate to be able to serve the state. Help me on this. You used to have a ski area down in Fairview, didn't you? We did indeed. Wow. 
How did you know that? I, I'm in this business. <laughs> wow, almost no one knew that. Yeah, so the, the Nelson family had, had a small cabin up Fairview Canyon with a tow rope. It, it had closed before I was old enough to ski, but my dad skied there as a kid. And, and so it's, it's now kind of a natural course. My kids love to snowboard there. And so what you do is the parents park at the bottom of the hill, then we drive up around. It's called Walker's Run. We, we let people off and they ride down. We go pick them back up and you'll, you'll see a line of cars up there probably today as it's snowing. That's awesome. Mayor Mendenhall, first of all, congratulations. You're entering your second term right now. Inauguration was just a couple of days ago. A little bit of background on yourself. Thanks for having me on. This is an awesome setting and I, I love this conversation. It's my favorite subject to work on um, as mayor of Salt Lake City. I'm in my beginning of my second term, started in January of 2020 and served on the city council in Salt Lake City for six years leading up to being the mayor. My background is in air quality and environmental advocacy work. I started as an activist and learned pretty quickly that I wanted my voice to go beyond the poster I was holding up outside of whatever building or meeting that might be happening. I wanted to be in the room and changed my course from advocate to uh, co-founding a nonprofit and eventually running for public office locally. I love this city. I grew up at the mouth of Little Cottonwood Canyon. I have three great kids and went to the University of Utah, studied science and technology there. And being the mayor is just the, the greatest gig, especially in Salt Lake City in the state of Utah at this time. We have so much good happening in the Olympics and 2034 is one of those big things. I imagine if you grew up right at the entrance to Little Cottonwood, you probably spent some time up at Alton Snowbird. I may or may not have compromised my ability to graduate from high school, but I securely did graduate and that went well. So the proximity to the ski resorts and the UTA ski bus that could get us there on a really great powder day was one of the best parts of growing up here in the state. Cool. Catherine, you have quite a background as an athlete for Olympics. You still hold a share of a national record in speed skating. Give us a little background on yourself. Yeah, so I actually, I grew up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, which was kind of a hotbed for ice sports. I learned to skate in a shopping mall. We always had ice rinks and shopping malls in, in the Midwest and fell in love with speed skating and had the opportunity to go on and compete in four Olympic Games and, and actually ended up relocating here to Utah after the 2006 Games in Torino. And so spent the remainder of my career here in Utah and have, have ended up staying here. I've, I've spent a lot of my pre-post and, and athletic career as an athlete advocate, advocating for athletes across the Olympic and Paralympic movement, and have been so fortunate to stay involved in sport in many different ways, from coaching to administration to fundraising and to now being able to help serve our community and our people here in Utah as the chair of the Salt Lake City Committee for the Games. Let's talk a little bit about your role as the board chair. And I know you came on a couple of years ago into that role to bring more of an athletic focus. Talk about your role as the board chair and what you bring with your athletic background to that. Yeah, I think I, I have a pretty broad perspective, quite honestly. I try to bring the athlete's voice and intention into a lot of the planning and decisions that we're making, but I also try to make sure that we're looking at how we're impacting our communities and the people in Utah. Those two go hand in hand in order for us to be successful. And so I feel extremely fortunate to be able to have an understanding of some of the needs that we have within our community and the opportunities that a games bring to help foster that. And so it's a, it's a really interesting blend between sharing that athlete perspective and that community perspective as well. 
I want to have each of you talk a little bit about what the games really mean to our society. And Catherine, why don't you kick that off? I mean, the games have been around the modern games going back to 1896, the Winter Games to 1924. There's something special about it. What do you see that it brings to society as a whole that goes beyond the events we see for 17 days? Yeah, it, you know, when I was competing, and I get this, I get, I get this question all the time. If you could say one word that symbolizes the Olympic and Paralympic movement, what would it be? And for me, it's hope. It's always been hope. It's this hope of our world coming together, of people uniting under common good, under sport, of coming together to see great things. And so for me, when I look at these games and and all three of us have been together many times and we see this opportunity before us, this hope, these dreams of our athletes, of our youth, of our community. And this is, I think, one of the greatest opportunities that we have for us in the next 10 years going forward and the legacy that comes afterwards as well. Piggybacking off that, Governor Cox, you have a great responsibility in overseeing the entire state of Utah. This brings something special, though, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And, and I, I, I can't help but riff off of hope. I love that. And I'm so glad. I was thinking, what word would I use? And, and I thought about kind of unity or, or competition, obviously, those things. But, but, but I love that idea of hope at, at a time when institutions are being torn apart, really important institutions, politically and otherwise, not just here, but, but all, all across the world. And we, as we start to become a little more selfish as human beings and, and focus internally, this reminds us uh, of the best of us and, and the, the, that there are other people of different backgrounds and, and it brings us together. And so it's one institution that has survived some of the worst parts of history. I just watched Boys in the Boat and, and of course the, you know, the, the Olympics in, in Germany at that time and, and the impact that those games had on the world as we were heading into a world war. And, and, and all of these difficulties that have post 9-11 when Utah was at forefront, right? So I, I love that idea of hope and, and kind of unifying, bringing people together. Mayor Mendenhall, it's a, an amazing feeling to have the games possibly coming here. What do you see it meaning to the city? Oh, I love that what Kat and the governor have just said. And I think um, I would add community because what we experienced in th- 2002 is still with us every single day as Salt Lakers, as Utahns. We have a growing population. We've added 20% more people to Salt Lake City proper since we hosted the games last. And we still have over 80% support in the state of Utah for hosting a future games. What that says is that even people who've come here or who maybe hadn't been born yet feel and they get the Olympic spirit. It's in our DNA as Utahns. And that ability to bring the global community together is something that has a long standing, and we will ensure that it does have a long standing daily positive impact for generations to come after 2034. We're going to come back and talk a little bit more about community in a little bit. But because this is a ski podcast, I want to talk about winter sports and, and, and skiing. I was actually out at Deer Valley Resort this morning, and uh, it's great to have all of this accessibility. Mayor Mendenhall, there are 11 resorts within a one hour's drive of where we are right now at the governor's mansion, there's 11 resorts. Salt Lake City is really this unique urban center, a, really a ski town like no other. How, how, how do you see this within your community? I think it's something you have to experience. And it's part of why we joke that we 
put something addictive in the water. People come here to ski and they end up not leaving. They say, we're going to come spend four months or six months, uh, get some great experience on the mountain and go back wherever we came from. They don't leave. And it's because you can actually call it a ski town while it once were the capital city of the fastest growing state in the nation. The state's had the strongest economy. I'm giving the governor's talking points now, but more than 16 years running. We're doubling our downtown population right now. We have incredible sports, culture, recreation amenities. And at once you can walk out of this governor's mansion and be on a foothill trail in wilderness up in City Creek Canyon or other places in 10 minutes. The proximity to the ski resorts and to year-round summertime recreation is just phenomenal. So we are both an urban capital, growing city, strong economy, lots of culture, celebrating our diversity, and a ski town. Governor, the economic impact of the ski industry is really notable here. I think in 2002, we had around 3 million skier visits, and now that's more than doubled. As governor, how do you look at the importance of the ski industry here in your state? Yeah, well, it's something we we take very seriously because it is so critical. Outdoor recreation is about $12 billion to, to our state, and, and the ski industry is a huge portion of that. So we work very closely with our, with our ski partners, obviously with Ski Utah, and, and they're doing tr- tremendous work. I, I do have to say, though, it, it, it there's a halo effect uh, around that. It's not just about the number of people that come and ski here. It's all the other things they do and and the feeling they get when they're here. I, I, I joke with my friends in Colorado that the Salt Lake is what people think Denver's going to be when, when they get there and realize it's, it's really just Kansas. But but <laughs> sorry, sorry, Governor Polis, we, we have it, a, we have an ongoing back and forth <laughs> on this. But but you come to you come to Salt Lake City and, and the mountains are right there. But it's so much more than that. What I hear all the time is I can't to ski, I stayed because of the people. And, and the people here, they feel so welcome. And, and that's part of what, what I think why the Olympics were so successful in 2002. And while, while they'll be successful again, I do have to say just yesterday, though, I'm in a restaurant, the people next to me, we start up a conversation. And uh, they're from Michigan, their daughter's coming out to look at the University of Utah to go to school. I'm like, well, what, you know, why the U? And like, well, it has everything she wants in a school and the skiing, like it was the the skiing that if, if it didn't have that, she wouldn't even be thinking about the University of Utah. And it, it was fun that that family's been here a week. They loved it. They're going to come back. It's that's the type of thing that happens over and over again. From a development perspective, you'd have to go back quite a few decades to find another new ski resort of major proportions that was built in America. There's now one under construction here in Utah adjoining Deer Valley. The economic climate uh, and the, the different programs that have been put in place in the state have really made that possible. Yeah, yeah, we've we've seen that here again. As as you mentioned, that you know those are those are major uh, New York investors who were interested in doing something here in the state of Utah. That speaks to as, as Mayor Mendenhall mentioned the growth of our economy. And there, I just have to say though, there is a direct line that goes back to the Olympics in 2002. If you look, we were not the best economy in the nation. We were not the fastest growing state in the nation. We were not all of these positive accolades until 2000. 2002 happens, then the trajectory, the world sees us differently. And I think we see ourselves differently. And that's really important too. We kind of grew up uh, when we realized, oh, we can do this on the world stage, put on the best games ever. And, uh, and, and then that leads us again to having the Olympics coming back. Um, we know we can do this, which is more fun this time because we, we, we weren't sure last time, but this time we're sure. And it's going to be a, a, the, the next best games ever. I'm curious, Governor, as you go around the world on trade missions, you're talking to people from around the globe. 
Did the Olympics come up? Is that still a recognition point for the state? Yeah, it, it absolutely is. The Olympics and skiing, those are the two things that come up, and the jazz, I guess, three things that come up the, the most often. I, I will tell you, I was just down in Mexico. We were talking with uh, Aeromexico and, and Delta, new flights, direct flights coming from Mexico. And one of the things they were most excited about are the ski trips from, from people in Mexico who want to come ski here. They've been skiing in Canada or Colorado. They're excited to come here, and they talk about the Olympics every time. We've had very strong public opinion ratings here, which has frankly been unusual for Olympic cities. What do you attribute that to, Governor? It's been really off the charts, over 80%. Yeah, it, it has been off the charts. I, I attribute it, again, to the the people and the way it all came together. One of the things that, that we love to talk about, both Kat and, and, and the mayor and I, the, the volunteers that came out of the woodwork for that Olympics the first time. The the Olympic movement had never seen anything like that. Had to turn volunteers away. I want to say there was like 60,000 volunteers, something like that. It was a huge, huge number. And and, and so it's ingrained in, in people. We, we we lead the nation in volunteerism anyway and giving back and service and all of those things. But but that, th- that combination of us participating together, not just something we watched or saw, but we experienced, I, I I think that makes a big difference and has really helped us to, to unify and remember. And now we pass those on, as the mayor said, you know, I talk to my kids about the Olympics all the time. My kids were too young. We had two babies when, when the Olympics were here the first time. And, and now they're so excited that they're going to experience it as well. Yeah, it really is. A, it's, it's a great generational experience that I know a lot of Utahns want to pass on to their kids. Mayor, we talked earlier about the impact on community. And I know this is a very big focus for you how can the games help to provide a platform for community causes that are so important to your city? I'll jump off from where the governor just mentioned a few really important things, which is kind of the vibe of Salt Lakers and, and Utahns. We do show up as volunteers more than any other population in the nation. But it also, you, I mean, we show up and we're friendly. Uh, it's a very welcoming atmosphere. And I think one of the ways that Salt Lake City has changed in the last 20 years is absolutely our population growth, but our our celebration of the diversity that lives here. Our school district speaks more than 100 languages, just right here in Salt Lake City. Um, you get this feeling of inclusivity and in the celebration of our differences just by showing up to spend a weekend skiing here, coming downtown, walking around. Um, we're different. It's changed us. And I think that we were well poised before the 2002 games. We didn't maybe quite know it about ourselves, uh, as the governor mentioned. We didn't know if we could pull it off, but oh my gosh, our, our culture here really does thrive when we welcome others. And I think leveling up to the 2034 games, because we already have so much of the infrastructure in place, that's one of our best selling points as a, a bid group here, that we don't have to build very much, but we should build better for the games. We're, we are growing. We're going to do big things in this downtown from open space creation, places for gathering and thriving, what our metals plaza will be. These are big questions that will level up generations and decades to come in this city. And it's a it's an exciting opportunity that I think we're, we're already poised to embrace. The Olympics and the Paralympics are big global events. They capture the attention of the entire planet. How can you harness that stage to take your community causes that might or might not be related to the games, but to use that stage of the games to gain awareness and build advocacy for causes important to the city? One of those is housing, for sure. 
diversified housing types, not just single family homes, not only single bedroom or studio units, family sized units in our downtown core. And although we have an Olympic village in the University of Utah that has the capacity to host the games in 2034, we know we're going to be building and the way that we accommodate the guests who will come and those who do the supportive infrastructure, tens of thousands of people are going to come in here. Where they stay and the kind of places that are attractive and actually even recruit the next generation of Salt Lakers and Utahns who don't necessarily see themselves here yet in 2035, but will be here. That kind of housing investment is absolutely looking at Salt Lake City right now and our surrounding areas because they know big things like the 2034 games are coming. The ripple of effects on the rest of the housing market from the increase in the diversified stock and the sheer volume of housing that will come online is something we sorely and desperately need in Salt Lake City, but also throughout the state. We welcome this. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we'll talk more about the Olympic and the Paralympic Winter Games, hopefully coming in 2034. We'll be right back on Ski Utah's Last Chair podcast. This morning on the chairlift, a skier asked me how I like my Steel ski pants. Well, I love them. Founded in the Tetons, Steel lives and loves the mountain life. Time spent outside on snow, trails, rivers, and summits inspires everything that it creates. I became a Steel convert a few years ago, attracted by the fun colors, functionality, and design, and the fact that Steel cares enough to use sustainable materials. This winter, Steel is excited to introduce the award-winning Figment Freeride Collection, setting a new standard in freeride performance and built to make the lines of your dreams a reality. I got a sneak peek of the Figment Collection earlier this season at the Steel Mountain Studio on Park City's Main Street. You can view the Figment jacket and bib and Steel's complete lineup of ski and snowboarding apparel by visiting the store on Main Street in Park City or by simply going online to steel.com. That's steel.com. Now let's get back to the Governor's Mansion in downtown Salt Lake City. We're back on Last Chair, the Ski Utah podcast. Today we're talking about the hopeful return of the Olympic and the Paralympic Winter Games in 2034. Catherine Rennie-Norman, the board chair for the Salt Lake City, Utah Committee for the Games. You talked earlier about how we hope to know in July. Give us a little sense of the selection process itself. And I know that right now we're a preferred host for 2034. What does that mean? Are we in this thing alone now? And where is it going to head? Yeah, so as you articulated, we are we are the preferred host for 2034. We are what is in the process called targeted dialogue. We are the only host city in the running for 2034. So we're in this alone. And so we are, again, we're just having deep conversations uh, with the International Olympic Committee, really trying to finalize our bid submission, which is thousands of pages of documents and information and annexes and maps, and finalizing that submission for the IOC. And they will convene in July for a vote, and and we anticipate to be awarded the Games in July. And it, al- along the way, you've there's been a number of other cities, a number of other countries that have kind of gotten into the act. Do you... I'm not looking for kind of who do you think is better and so forth, but do you share ideas? Do you gain ideas from looking at other Olympic sites and what you can take away to bring back and make our games even better? 
I mean, I think there's always opportunity to look at what other cities have done and how they have put on a games. I think one of the learning lessons out of Beijing and Tokyo was how important it is to use technology to connect people back together when they couldn't be in an attendance at those games. I think that's a learning lesson for us when we host a games in 34. How do we connect the rest of the world? They might not be here in Salt Lake City or in Utah, but how are we connecting them into the games and allowing them to experience it? So as we look at hosts who have held the games in the past and then how we're going to operationalize in the future, I think it's really important that we take best practices from what they have seen. I think it's important for us to work with the International Olympic Committee, our international federation. Sport is changing. Since 2002, we have seen a 40% increase in the Olympic program alone. Sport is going to continue to change. And so we have to make sure that we are prepared to host and provide a world-class environment for optimal performance for the athletes, but also for the stakeholders who are coming in. As a bid committee, you have been very engaged with elected officials in each of the host venue communities and also in, in the state. How important has that been? And then we're going to go to the mayor and the governor to get a little bit more insight on how all of us can work together here in Utah to bring a successful games to the people. I think it's absolutely vital that we work with our elected officials and our community members. I I always go back to and and think about it was the people of Utah that put us on this path. The people of Utah stepped up in 2002 and said, we're going to support these games. And that's why we're here now. And so we should never forget that part. And so working together with our elected officials, understanding what those core priorities are and making sure, and, and people hear me say this over and over, and I will continue to do it for the next 10 years, that we're intentional in our process and our delivery of these games. Our buildings are built. The lights are going to be on. The buses are going to run. We're going to do great. We're, we're well prepared, as you've heard from, from the governor and mayor. But for us to be intentional is where we are going to see lasting impact on our youth and on our communities, on our small business owners, how we move about our city. This is absolutely critical and is probably more important than what we're going to see when people reach the podium, quite honestly. So for me, that is a, a cornerstone and pillar of how I approach the delivery of these games going forward. And that's really an incremental bump from what was done in 2002. Right. You know, to the, again, we were new. We were doing it for the first time, right? And we were welcoming the world. And we have done such an excellent job over the last 20 plus years of continuing to invest in our venues, invest in our people, invest in our sport leaders. And so we have the expertise, we have the know-how, we have the venues, but that incremental impact, that intentionality is where we're going to have the difference. Governor Cox, you and the state legislature as well have had a strong relationship with the bid. How do you see the groups working together as we move forward to 2034? Yeah, we'll, we'll continue to work very closely together. That's part of the bid process is being able to explain to the, the IOC that you do have the political support as well as the, the public support and the financial support, right? And, and all of those other things. And so to have a unified Republicans 
Democrats in the legislature unanimously support the, and, and by the way, we have to not just endorse, but we actually have to sign on the dotted line, right? And so there's a, there's a fiscal component to this. It, it won't cost taxpayers anything if we do our jobs right. And that's, that's really important, but we have to backstop that as well. And so you, you've got a, a Republican governor, a, a supermajority Republican legislature. You've got a, a Democratic mayor of Salt Lake. We've got other elected officials throughout the state. And by the way, I, I like to remind people, we're not just representing the state of Utah. We're representing the United States of America to the world. So that also means we have to get the blessing of the president of the United States, which we have done and worked very closely with him, a Democrat as well. And so again, I think this speaks to to the power of the Olympic movement, to the power of sport, to the power of bringing people together at a time where we're deeply polarized. We're not polarized about this, and I'm very proud of the way we've been able to work together. Mayor Mendenhall, you came into your role as mayor shortly after the Salt Lake City, Utah bid was named America's Choice, and you've actively embraced it. How do you see the city working with the organizing committee as we move out to 2034? In two distinct ways. I think what what you've just heard cannot be understated. We stand out world over for the degree of support, the unanimous support from our governor and legislature, the unanimous support from every host city that will be involved in the games. This is incredibly unique. And what it allows us to do, because we don't have to squabble on a daily basis about trying to get support and keep the support, we get to look beyond and make this games bigger and better and more athlete focused than we could have if we weren't all on the same page. What it enables is catalytic for our game's potential and for the long-term community benefit that will come from it. So even as Salt Lakers and Utahns, I think we shouldn't take for granted how incredible it is that we're all on the same page because of what it's going to unlock for the 2034 games and our benefits beyond that. Working with these partners acknowledging that we don't have any critical venues that we don't already have, meaning everything's in place. My, what I'm excited about is what we can accomplish together. I hope we don't see another temporary metals plaza that becomes a parking lot after the games. I hope to work with these partners and find ways that through the city's investments in the parks we want to create downtown and these partnerships, we find ways that build the legacy of the games, both 2002 and 2034, into the next hundred years of our city and state's history and cement that legacy visibly and in a positive way for our residents for decades to come. Mayor, a few years ago, in the middle of a pandemic, you dedicated an amazing new airport. Tell us a little bit about the Salt Lake City International Airport and how this will be another great asset for the state as we head to the games. Yes, our new SLC is one of the busiest airports in the Americas, in the Delta system. 70% of the flights are Delta flights coming out of there. We have 26 million passengers a year. And when this airport is completed, we'll be able to host 34 million passengers a year through Salt Lake City. The amount of direct and connecting flights is ever increasing. 
And it's the newest airport in a couple of decades. It's the newest airport since 9-11. And that has the the all of the security built in from the beginning, not retrofitted and wedged in there. It's an incredible, beautiful space and we're proud of it. It's just minutes away from the downtown core. You can walk right out the front doors of the airport, get on a tracks train and be downtown in less than 20 minutes. So our proximity begins as soon as you enter the air shed in an airplane, you're going to see not only the ski resorts, the downtown core, and you're going to land in an airport that is going to get you there in just a few minutes. Governor Cox, the airport has been a real calling card for the entire state, hasn't it? It has. It's made a huge difference. As, as I hear from people, again, that come all the time, they, they, they can't believe we have this beautiful airport. And the way it was done aesthetically to, to highlight, you know, you can see out that big window, you can see the mountains. Uh, people feel, even if they're just passing through, you know, on a layover, they feel like they, they've, they've got a taste of Utah and they can't wait to come back. Let's have each of you look into your crystal ball as we kind of wrap things up here. Governor Cox, if you looked into the crystal ball today, what do you want to see from 2034 for the state? The mayor touched on this a little bit because, and Catherine as well, because we have the the infrastructure for the games, I, I want us to dream big. I, I want us to, to really get together, understand at, at a local community perspective, at a state perspective with, you know, the, the, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints who owns a lot of property around Temple Square, our transportation officials. Like, what do we want Utah to look like in 2034? Not just what do the games look like, but this can be, we, we always need goals. And, and catalysts. And we have 10 years to do something really amazing. And, and I would just, as, a, as a, an aside, I, I also want to set us up so that we're, we're doing this every you know 20 years or so. I, I want to get on the, I, I think the IOC is looking at a, the possibility of a rotation that we become the North American stop for the winter games moving on to the future. It love makes it. sense. Mayor? Oh, I love it. And I can't wait to work with the governor and, and Kat and all of our partners this opportunity is, we've never seen it before. In our our 177 year history as a state, we're hosting a birthday here very soon. And this is unmatched. I think about our Grand Boulevards. I think about 5th and 6th South as you come in from the airport and drop into the downtown core. Those are areas that we've long dreamed of improving in a dramatic way. I think about the green loop that I hope will encircle downtown with five and a half miles of linear park in what is right now really wide streets um, in portions of Salt Lake City. I want to see a promenade that's for pedestrians along Main Street from South Temple to Fourth South, where we can have festivals and celebrations and restaurants and bars can spill out into that public space all of the time. I want to see a vibrant downtown that's truly 18 hours that has not only 10,000 people that will reach next year, but many more thousand beyond that. And I think that and so much more is actually within our reach. Uh, it's not because of the games, but with the games, we can build these things. Man, I'm getting excited now. Catherine, your crystal ball. You know, I hope that the people of Salt Lake, the people of Utah, that everyone can see that they have a place in this. And whether that is... You know, the the young youth athlete who, you know, maybe didn't believe in themselves and, and saw somebody like a Derek Para who had a similar upbringing to them, or it's a young youth athlete that, that saw somebody like Chris Waddell, who has broken down so many barriers of sport, being a champion in Paralympics, or it's our small business owners 
you know, this is an opportunity for them, a truly once in a lifetime opportunity for them for economic mobility. So making sure, and, and, and my hope is that people feel that they can be a part of this, that they have a place, that they have a sense of belonging in this effort. I thank you all for participating. We're going to close it out right now with our fresh track section. This is a little bit of a lightning round, so we're just looking for short and sweet answers. And the first one is, to each of you, a favorite Olympic or Paralympic memory. I mean, that could be when you were a child. It could be from 2002 or whenever. Governor, do you have one of those? Yeah, it would have to be from 2002. We just moved back here and it, uh, we couldn't afford to go to any of the events at the time. But it was just my wife and I walking downtown and just soaking it all in, seeing those giant banners hanging from all the buildings, hearing all the different languages around us and just feeling like, I can't believe this is happening here in our state. It's a great memory. Mayor? You know, very similar. I, I was a newlywed Third Avenue and H Street, walked downtown because that's what we could afford to do. Met people, met athletes, which was mind blowing at the time. You're just here on our streets. And it was a magical experience to just be there as a Salt Laker with the rest of the world celebrating this space. And can I just say that Catherine's memories are going to be much Way cooler better. than ours. <laughs> I don't know. These are really kind of emotional. Uh, I mean, I I remember 1994 watching Johan Olaf Koss skating in the Viking ship in Norway and, and the entire country rallying behind him. And then I can relate to my own personal experience in 2002 and I was racing the 5,000 meter and I was behind my pair and all of a sudden, I, I started chasing her down, and I heard the entire crowd start yelling USA for two and a half laps. And I drag raced her to the finish, and I beat her. And I was like, this was on, holy cow, what just happened? <laughs> it was amazing, right? And so having the, having people behind you, having your country behind you is pretty incredible. Just a quick spin off of that. As you travel the world as a USA athlete, Foreign fans like to get behind Americans. They do. I think we're gritty. You know, we're gritty and we we just, people like, people like to get behind us, especially, you know, winter sport, we're at times the underdogs too, up against the big Nordic nations. And so when you see an American and you see, you know, somebody like Steve Nyman who crosses the line and all of a sudden now he's wearing his Levi's American flag, you know, jean jacket. It's something that you can get behind, that's for sure. This is pretty cool. Let's take it back home here. And just a favorite place that you or your family likes to ski, likes to hike, or whatever outdoor activity. Catherine? So we are a diehard snowbird family. My husband is a diehard skier, has skied every month for about the last 20 years, actually, 30 turns requirement. And so we we are diehard snowbird. And then we follow up with Opry at Goldminer's Diner, uh, Goldminer's daughter. Daughter. Yes. Daughter. Great. Mm -hmm. Mayor? I grew up at the mouth of Little Cottonwood and I, I love Alta through and through. And even in the summertime, it's just one of the best places to take kids and let them wander while you slowly head up to Secret Lake. You worked at Snowbird, right? I worked at Snowbird. I worked in a windowless room that no longer is the switchboard, but I know you can call 801-933-2222. And then what would you say to all of the guests? Thank you for calling Snowbird. How may I direct your call? Love it. <laughs> 
Governor, favorite spot for you or your family to recreate? Well, yeah, I was I was gonna I was gonna talk about Walker's Run, but we already did that. So for us, a Sundance was the was the closest ski resort, and so we we would take the kids up to Sundance a couple times every year, and uh, that was that was our that was our resort of choice. Beautiful. How about a favorite ski town restaurant? A ski town can be Salt Lake or it can be Alta or it can be Park City. Governor? Well, I'm going to have to go. Uh, well, I already mentioned Sundance. The restaurants at Sundance are amazing, the tree room. But I, I do have to give a shout out to uh, our good friends, Jeff and Lisa Ward at Silver Star Cafe in Park City, one of our favorites. We actually met them on a beach in Hawaii. We were vacationing and they were vacationing. We got to know them. We came back, went to their restaurant, just fell in love with uh, Silver Star Cafe. It's a great place. It's a great spot. It's particularly a cool spot in the summertime. It is. Yeah. It right there. over the, the golf course there. Beautiful. Mayor? High West in Park City. Love it. What's your favorite High West whiskey? Double Rye. Okay, very good. Campfire for me. Catherine? I said Goldminer's Daughter, but an alternative. I mean, you you can't go wrong with the Deer Valley Chili and the giant cookies, right? Like, those are pretty fantastic All every time. All the food at Deer Valley. But, you know, the, the traditional staple of the chili and a giant chocolate chip cookie. It, you can't beat it. Well, no. I have to say that one of my favorite inclusions in a press conference ever was when Altera acquired Deer Valley Resort. One of the talking points for the press conference was that Deer Valley Chili will remain. It's that good. It's a legend. It's legendary. It might be up there with Green Jello. Close. <laughs> <laughs> we'll save that one. Okay, last last question. This is a tough one. I want one word, one word that describes Utah and the games. Catherine? I'm going to just stick with my hope. Okay, hope is good. We talked about that earlier. Mayor? This is cheesy, but I think it's love. We love the outdoors. That's good. Governor, last word. Yeah, and I, I'm going to say unifying. That's what Utah does best. It's what the, the Olympics do best. Governor Cox, Mayor Mendenhall, Catherine Ray Norman, the board chair for the games coming in 2034. We thank you all for your enthusiastic support, and we look forward to the pathway ahead. Thanks for joining us on Last Chair. Thank, thank you. you. A big thanks to Governor Spencer Cox and Salt Lake City Mayor Aaron Mendenhall, who has just inaugurated for a second term. Both of them are big supporters here in Utah. And thanks to Catherine Rainey-Norman, a four-time Olympian, for her leadership that has really put athletes out front and center in the plan. Before we go, I want to tell you about the Hyatt Place in Provo. Located in the heart of downtown Provo, the Hyatt Place is walking distance to some great restaurants and a nice launching pad for Sundance. The Hyatt Place Provo features an outdoor swimming pool, fitness center, and its own restaurant. But if you want to get out and about, downtown Provo has a burgeoning restaurant scene from farm to table at nearby Communal or one of our favorite pizza spots, Maz. It's just 25 minutes up to Sundance from downtown Provo, and it's under an hour to Snowbird, Alta, or even Deer Valley's Jordan L Express. Check it out today at Hyatt.com, the Hyatt Place Provo. The Ski Utah Last Chair podcast is brought to you by High West Distillery. Follow our whiskey adventure on all social media platforms at Drink High West. And remember, sip responsibly. High West Whiskey, 46% alcohol by volume. High West Distillery in Park City, Utah. We've had some great episodes this season on Last Chair. Did you catch the recent interview with Utah Avalanche's Craig Gordon? 
Craig is quite a character. Check it out on your favorite podcast platform. And if you like the podcast, share it with a friend and leave us a review. And make sure to subscribe to get every episode of Last Chair delivered directly to you. Thank you for joining us on Last Chair. To close us out once again, let's welcome our friends Pixie and the Party Grass Boys. I'm Tom Kelly for Last Chair, presented by High West. Have fun. It is a great day to ski. Thank you.